Well, Mark chapter 9, we're back in Mark this morning. For those of you that are our guests today, we are just walking through verse by verse through the gospel of of Mark, and we have made it to chapter 9. I think this is about our 30th message so far, and we're just a little over halfway there. And last week, we took just a little bit of a break uh, from Mark to to go through, uh, to kind of emphasize passing the gospel on to the next generation with our Teacher Appreciation Sunday and our Summit Weekend. Uh, Just to kind of bring you back up to speed in chapter 8, if you were not here or you have forgotten, you will remember that Peter has just confessed on behalf of the disciples that although uh, many who they had ministered to and the crowds that they had ministered to, Jesus asked them, who do they say that I am? And you remember that, that they said, some say that you are Elijah, say some that you're Jeremiah, some say that you are John the Baptist. And then Peter declares something that all who come to faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and eternal life must declare, must conclude in their own heart that Jesus is not just a good prophet. He is ju- not just a, a rabbi, but he is indeed the son of God. And Peter makes that great confession when he says that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And then in the verses that followed that confession, Jesus spoke very plainly about his coming rejection, his crucifixion and his resurrection and what it meant to follow Jesus and the consequences that would come with being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you remember that Although Peter declared that you're the Christ, he affirmed the person. He didn't like that plan. He didn't like the fact that Jesus was going to be crucified. He didn't like the fact that he was going to be an assassin. And so he rebukes Jesus. And he says, this is not going to happen this way. Remember, we talked about how all of the Jews, they had in their minds that the Messiah would be a a political leader who would bring political success and prosperity to, to Israel, not one that would be assassinated. And so Jesus tells him, get behind me, Satan. You are trying to stop the eternal plan of God. And the eternal plan of God is that Jesus came to die. He came to this earth to die for the sins of mankind. And you, you may think that we are, we're skipping a section because verses 34 through 38, we're not going to cover right now, but it's actually because we, we dealt with that section several months ago. You'll remember we were honoring the, the memory and the life of Elijah Beatty, and that was back on June the 4th. We preached on this section, so if you missed that, uh, I would encourage you to go back on our website or on YouTube, and you can watch it there, a message that we entitled, It's Worth It, from those verses. And so that brings us uh, to chapter 9. I will go back and mention verse number 34 quickly uh, because not only did Jesus proclaim and predict his own suffering, but he also declared the suffering of his followers when he told them in verse number 34, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So to follow Jesus is to be willing to suffer for him. But the good news is this, and that's what we're going to see in the text. Right after Jesus declares uh, the suffering and predicts the suffering of his followers, he shows them this, that glory follows suffering. And that is what Jesus wants to demonstrate through the text today, a, a text that is another very familiar text, the transfiguration 
of Jesus where Jesus gives some of his disciples a glimpse of his glory and another glimpse of his deity that what they declared him to be the son of God that they were right they're about to see that in the text in front of us this this morning so if you're able to physically stand for the reading of God's word join us and I will read verses 1 through 13 you can follow along with us And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come in power, come with power. And after six days Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John, and led them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias, or Elijah, with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias, And he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And suddenly, when they had looked around about, they saw no man anymore, save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen, till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. And they kept that saying with themselves, questioning one with another what the rising from the dead should mean. And they asked him, saying, Why say the scribes that Elias must first come? And he answered, and he told them, Elias verily cometh first and restoreth all things. And how it is written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be sent at naught. But I say unto you that Elias is indeed come, and they have done unto him whatsoever they listed as it is written of him. Father, again... We submit ourselves underneath the authority of your word. This is indeed the very words of God. And we thank you for it. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit, through the word of God today. Draw us closer to you, those who are your children. If there's anyone here today who is lost and does not have a personal relationship with you, although they may have religion, I pray, Lord, that today they would have a relationship. And I pray that they would be eternally saved. And we pray all this in Christ's precious name. Amen. You may be seated. What does this glimpse of Jesus teach us about following Jesus? There's just two points to the sermon this morning. First of all, I want you to see this, that the glory of Jesus is displayed. The glory of Jesus is displayed. This unique event that we call the the transfiguration of Christ, it is certainly one of the most visible proofs ever seen by human eyes that Jesus was who he said he was, that Jesus was God, the Christ, the Messiah. And Peter and James and John, they are ushered into this holy moment on this mountain and they are able to witness the glory of Jesus on display in a way never seen before or after. Coming right after the declaration that he is going to suffer 
And it comes in the form of a a heavenly vision. We see this in verses 2 and 3. Verse 2 tells us that Jesus takes this inner circle up on a high mountain. And Luke, of course, gives us more details than Mark does. And he tells us that Jesus went up onto this mountain for a specific reason. And that was to pray. And that while Jesus was praying, what what did the disciples do? They fell asleep. They fell asleep and they're awakened by Jesus being transfigured before him. And that word transfigured is where we get our word metamorphosis. And of course, when we think of metamorphosis, we think scientifically of the process where a caterpillar transforms into a butterfly. But I don't want you to be confused by that because on the mountain of transfiguration, I want you to get this in your heart, Jesus did not become God. He had always been God. In fact, it was at his birth that the greatest metamorphosis took place when he took on human flesh, when he took on humanity. This word is used a couple of other times in the New Testament. It's it's used in Romans chapter 12 in verse number 2 where it talks about you and I as Christians. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's used again in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of God. What happens when we see that? We are changed, that's the same word, into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Listen, when you and I get born again, when we get saved, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. I don't want you to be confused because as the word applies to Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration, he did not become something that he was not. His image changed. He did not change. His image changed. But his person did not change. So the Mount of Transfiguration was a temporary unveiling of the hidden glory of Jesus. The glory of Jesus wasn't created at the transfiguration. The glory of Jesus had always been, but it had been hidden by his humanity. It had been hidden somewhat by his flesh, by his skin. And so as they go up onto this mount of transfiguration, unlike any time before in the New Testament, any time in Jesus' life, it is unveiled. And these guys taken on top of this mountain would have automatically been reminded of some Old Testament times. When the glory of God was displayed, where? On a mountain. They would have have been reminded, hey, this is not just another prophet. This is indeed the Son of God. And and just to kind of help you connect the dots of what might have been going through Peter, James, and John's minds, I want to just take you back to the Old Testament for a moment to Exodus. And I think we have the scriptures on the screen. So I'm just going to read through these. But I want you to notice the glory of God that happens on a mountain. Now Moses, this is Exodus 3. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father, in his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. 
You skip down to verse number 12. It says, and he said, certainly I will be with thee and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. Ye shall serve God. Notice upon this what? Mountain. The glory of God is shown on the mountain. Go to Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness. And there, notice, Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up the mountain unto God And the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Go down to verse number 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud. Where? Upon the mount. And the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part or the foot of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. Again, revealing his glory on the top of the mount. Chapter 24, Exodus 24, verse 15. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount, and the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it. How many days? Six days. Interesting reference back to our text in Mark chapter 9. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud, and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Exodus chapter 34, verse 29. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with God. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh nigh unto him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him. And Moses talked with them, and afterward all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. All of the glory of God in the Old Testament shown time and time again on the mount. And then on this mount of transfiguration that we read of here in Mark chapter 9, these three disciples must be in awe and they must be affirmed that they have indeed given the right conclusion of Jesus. This is not just a prophet. This is Jesus, the Son of God. This is God himself. 
And then to reaffirm this in the New Testament, speaking of Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, who being in the brightness, speaking of Jesus, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That's where he is right now, awaiting his return. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, notice, of the glory of God in the face of who? Jesus Christ. So all that to say that Jesus gives a special glimpse of his glory to this inner circle to remind them that they were correct. He is God in human flesh. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. And listen, because Jesus is who he says he is, because Jesus is God, Jesus alone is worthy to invade every facet of our life. Jesus alone is worthy for us to abandon all comforts and all conveniences to follow him. And on this mount, the divine glory of Jesus, it begins to shine through his skin and his clothing. And Matthew's account describes it so well. It says in Matthew 17 in verse 2, describing this, and, and he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his, his raiment was white as snow. Mark focuses on his clothing Remember, John is here, and it is John who would write in his gospel in John 1.14, speaking of Jesus, and Jesus, the Word, was made flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So here is what the transfiguration of Jesus reminds us. If you want to see God, look at Jesus. If you want to know God, trust Jesus and get to know God because Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus is God clothed in skin. But not only was there a heavenly vision, but there were also heavenly visitors. Verse number four, there appeared unto them Elijah with Moses and they were talking with Jesus. Moses and Elijah were the two great representatives of the Old Testament. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the, the, the prophets. Both were great deliverers of the people of God. Both men lived lives that were marked by the miraculous. And both men had mountaintop experiences with God and un, unusual departures from this earth. And these two heavenly visitors, they show up on the Mount of Transfiguration to talk to Jesus. Now, how many of you would like to be Peter, James, and John? And to sit in on a conversation with Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Don't miss this. This passage is an affirmation of the afterlife. This is literally Moses and Elijah. This is not the ghost of Moses and Elijah. This is Moses and Elijah. Sent back to earth to have a conversation with Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you like to know what they were talking about? We do know. We do know what they were talking about. 
But what this reminds us is that death does not have the last word. That, that leaving this life, whether it's by death or whether it's by a whirlwind, that it is not the end. Make no mistake about it, Elijah and Moses did not show up on this mount from purgatory. They did not show up on this mount from an abyss. They came back from a place called heaven. A real place. They showed up to minister to Jesus. And Luke gives us more details as to what they were talking about. What were they talking about? Luke records exactly what they were talking about. It says in Luke chapter 9 verse 30, And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory. And what did they speak of? His decease or his death, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. That may not do very much for you right now, but it really excites me. Because Moses and Elijah come back to talk to Jesus. And what are they talking about? The cross of Jesus Christ. They know that Jesus must come. And that the reason that Jesus came to this earth and was clothed in skin was so that he would die on the cross. The sacrifice of Jesus, what the girls just sang about, the atonement for our sins, how he would take on the sins of you and I so that we could have eternal life. And listen, this evening and or this morning in, in American Christianity, I am afraid that the, the cross has become so common to us post-resurrection Christians that we no longer get moved or stirred talking about the cross or singing about the cross or singing about what he has done for me. And I can barely contain myself every time we sing that song. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands or like we heard this morning that it should have been you and I on that cross, but Jesus, God's son, took our place. His life for mine. Jesus is the central figure of history and the cross is the central factor of history. H.B. Charles said it this way, all of history hinges on the bloody cross and the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. And Moses and Elijah come back to talk to Jesus and they talk about the cross. The glory of Jesus is displayed. Secondly, and lastly this morning, the glory of Jesus was confirmed in verses 5 through 13. The transfiguration reminds us that we should be careful about chasing special supernatural experiences. And that just because you experience it doesn't mean you understand it. Let me say that again. Just because you experience it don't mean you understand it all. For example, you and I have experienced salvation, but we don't understand it all. We understand enough to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. An experience without biblical instruction can be spiritually dangerous. And so Peter, James, and John, they were in the middle of an incredible experience, but they didn't understand it. Notice two things, the disciples' request and the divine response to their request. First of all, their request in verse 5 and 6. Here is Peter in Peter classic fashion, putting his foot right in his mouth. Have you ever told your children, how many of you have ever been having conversations with other adults and one of your children pipe up and begin to enter the conversation and you say, stay out of adult conversation. 
Anybody ever said that? Must have just been Kim and I. We had to say that a lot to Jackson. Just, this is adult conversation. Well, here is Elijah and Moses and Jesus having a conversation, and somebody needed to tell Peter, stay out of adult conversation, Peter. Peter doesn't know what to say, but he just has to say something. He says in verse 5 and 6, Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. I'm just glad to be here. By the way, that's where he should have stopped. He goes on and says, let us make three tabernacles. I have an idea. You know, instead of that cross thing, instead of that crucifixion thing, instead of that suffering thing, why don't we just build three tabernacles here? I mean, this is amazing what we have seen. So we'll build a tabernacle for Elijah, we'll build a tabernacle for Moses, and we'll build a tabernacle for Jesus. Oh, that sounds so good, Peter. At least he didn't ask for tabernacles for him, James, and John, right? But Peter's request is denied. Why? Because Peter, again, failed to grasp and accept that the reason that Jesus had come into the world was not to have a a tabernacle on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was to die on a cross on Mount Calvary. Jesus didn't come into the world for the Mount of Transfiguration. Listen, he came came into the world for the Mount of Crucifixion. And Peter's request really demotes Jesus, doesn't it? We'll build a tabernacle for Moses, for Elijah, and for Jesus. You're putting Jesus on the same level as Moses and Elijah? Listen, Moses may have delivered the law. He may have crossed the Red Sea, but he is not on the level of Jesus. Elijah may have called down fire from heaven as a prophet, but he is not on the same level of Jesus. And what the Mount of Transfiguration reminds us, church, is that there is nobody like Jesus. There is no man like Jesus. No one was born like Jesus. No one lived like Jesus. No one taught like Jesus. No one cared like Jesus. No one died like Jesus. And certainly no one rose again like Jesus. And no one's coming back the way Jesus is coming back. Reminds me of that song that I love to hear Charity sing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He'll make a way where there ain't no way, rises up from an empty grave, ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let my Jesus metamorphosis your life. Change your life. Acts 4.12 says this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Listen, Jesus is the Savior of our souls. See the disciples' request, but then we see the divine response in verse 7. And it's interesting that Jesus didn't respond to Peter's request. Instead, God the Father enters the conversation. And the response to, it, to them is given to us in verse number 7. It tells us that the 
the response came under a cloud, a cloud that in the Old Testament we just read about in Exodus, a cloud that was called the Shekinah glory, and it refers to the divine presence of God. And God's response is powerful to these men, verses 7 through 9. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Another affirmation, this is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. Hear him. And suddenly when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen until the Son of Man were risen from the dead. What the transfiguration reminds us, church, is that it's, it's all about Jesus and the cross. From Genesis to Revelation, this book is about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That he came to die for you and I on a cross so that we could have eternal life. I couldn't have picked a better song to be sung, and I didn't choose it, but I couldn't have picked a better song than what the the young lady sang, that his life for mine. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 says this, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken to us by who? His son. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. 